So we got some territory to cover today. So we're going to get started. We'll start with a prayer. All right, let's pray. God in heaven, we are grateful that you um, you do call us out. You call us together and you make yourself plain and known to us uh, by revealing yourself in your word. Let your Holy Spirit uh, flow through us now in our conversation, um, in our study, in our discussion. Um, please be with us. Break down the, the walls and barriers that prevent us from seeing your truth. Uh, let your, your spirit um, cut us to the quick. And show us where we need to be more like you and closer to you. Let us surrender territory of our hearts to your spirit so we can have more of you in us and we can reflect you better into the world around us. Now, may you be glorified through all we do in the name of Jesus. Amen. So uh, today we are going to start in Revelation 17. And Revelation 17 is 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 a big chapter. It has a lot of stuff in it. Um, and we're going to go through Revelation 17 and break it out kind of verse by verse, just encapsulate it, let it interpret itself. And then we're going to get to the very close of the chapter. And then we're going to take that as a springboard back to our discussion last week. when we got in Second Thessalonians chapter two, because we really didn't get to dig into that like I wanted to last week. We ran out of time. And then we'll look at this thing called the strong delusion, which is going to come. And we're going to see that God uses um all types of things to fulfill his purposes if you have your notes you'll see at the bottom of the notes i included a little catchphrase for you a couple things i want you to look at one is identity controls behavior your identity will control your behavior someone else's identity will control their behavior there's an amazing um there's so much amazing things that are wrapped up in your identity And when we find our identity in Christ, that will control our behavior and we'll be true to our behavior. And the next thing I had under that was, is, is a verse from Isaiah, the great prophet, everything in my plans will come to pass. That's what God says. So there's nothing that's going to stop anything that he wants to happen from happening. And that's going to be demonstrated today. And then what I want us to do is see our role in that to see, to sort of challenge ourselves a little bit. Are we getting pulled into the strong delusion or are we standing in our identity in Christ? Okay, good. All right. So chapter 17 of uh, the book of revelation. And um, let me scroll down so I can be with you all. Uh, It's a good long scroll. I'm still scrolling to get to it. You too, huh? Well, now that's weird. I wrote it all down. I know I did. You think I wrote it on the wrong thing? I may have written it on the wrong thing. Let's see. This is what happens when you do live stuff, right? Uh, where is it? Let me just look up. I can find it very quickly. You can, you can, you can read chapter 17. How about that? Um, And then we'll find it from there. Let's go ahead and start reading chapter 17. Yes, sir, go ahead. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee great judgment, the great judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk, with the wine of her fornication. 
So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast, filled names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and guiltiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was her name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee of the mystery of the woman of the beast that carried her, which hath the seven horns and the ten, uh, seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman's, woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet to come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful." And he said unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth of peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues and the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Thank you, sir, for reading that. That's a lot of stuff. What do you, what do you say, Mr. Roy? I can say I can explain all of that in about, oh, six sentences. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I did find my notes. It is in your notes, so that's good. So um, what I want to do is, uh, so what are, what are your impressions in that? What stood out to you all? What, what stood out? It's all the symbolism. A lot of symbolism, yep. And and all the power and all the influence. Power and influence. One way or the other. Right, right. It's a lot. What what jumped out at me is, is, and I've looked at this stuff for 30 years, so, but even as I read it again, something new jumps out. That this, I think our minds should be, um, um, do you ever hear that thing that says think globally and act locally? Yes. So yes. think globally, act described locally. Described here is high places, right? Big things, huge things in the spiritual world, and and God has that in control. Very oftentimes, we look at a local small thing and say, "Oh, this is that," and what we really probably should be saying is. This is a reflection of that. When that happens, every eye will see it and everybody will know it. And so 
No, I'm just telling you what my brain jumped to. Yes. I think there's a global movement, globalist movement. It's bigger than America. It's bigger than the Bahamas or England or Iraq or Saudi or Russia or China. It's high places stuff. It's where the evil one is, is being unleashed on the world. And he will use kings and kingdoms and kingdoms will coalesce to do things that any one king couldn't do by himself because he has to control everything. Right. And, and then we look at a Baltimore or a Philadelphia and we go, oh, look, look there. That's a perfect description of, yeah, it could be a, a little tiny description of global things because they gave themselves over to global city rulers. Yeah. I'll say that again. Not global rulers, but rulers that could control the whole city and then they could control it. So you can see this image. Have, have I lost everybody? No. You can see in a small thing what, what the devil will do. When one bad king takes over, a whole nation can go terrible. Yeah. And so the man answer to that often is, well, let's get a group to take over the whole thing. It's still the same problem. Yeah. We control you. Yeah. And so if I say um, your definitions of marriage are wrong now, and then I change the laws, an evil has taken over. Whereas when we were free, we could all think and, and have an argument about that and say, I don't think that's right. But now we can't think anymore because global systems have taken over. Yeah, you're, you're going right into what we're looking okay. at today. So that's, that's no, no. I, this is high stuff. Yeah, you, that's exactly. Um, hold on, somebody's trying to get in. All right, come on in. Hi, welcome. Um, so that's exactly, you're exactly right. That's what's going on here that... Um, we will see in um, Colossians chapter 2 and Second Thessalonians chapter 2, this idea of exactly what you're talking about. There is a strong delusion. Um, it's called the lie in Romans chapter 1. Um, it's called vain philosophy, deceitful imagery, uh, the base elements of the world. There's all these phrases you'll see in your notes when we get into digging through that stuff. But you're exactly right. It happens in small ways, but it is fulfilling a much larger purpose, a much larger purpose. What I'd like to do right now is I want to um, take you through um, when I preached a few Sundays ago. I told you there was some uh, there was a few principles you could take when you're doing Bible study. And it's a great way to study. You can look at, um, you know, who is here in this passage? Who are these people? Identify the people. Then what's going on uh, and what are the results? And then what does it mean to me? All right. So that's a that's a that's a fourfold method to approach Bible study. It's a great tool. I want to introduce you to another Bible study tool this morning. I'm just going to go through this chapter with you. If you got your notes, you'll see it. I've already written it out. This is a Bible study tool called homiletics. Okay, it's not called hermeneutics, which is a seminary term, which is your overall uh, idea and philosophy behind themes and doctrines in Scripture, so that everything aligns and comes together. This is called homiletics. Now, homiletics is the idea that you look at a chapter or passage of scripture and you look at the verse or a couple of verses that are communicating a similar idea and you and you break it down to just a few words or sentences like what is going on here? And you can and you you sort of boil down the thoughts of each verse 
and you put it together. And then by the time you go through that, then you can go back through the whole passage and you can say, what is the real sentence of what God is doing here? What is God trying to communicate and teach us through this entire passage? Um, and that's called homiletics. Okay. So I want to help you with this today. So um, when you look at verse one, um, or excuse me, I'm, I'm going to break it out in a, an odd way. Usually homiletics is done like verse one, verse two, verse three. I broke it up to the sections here. I did verses one through six as a section. Your Bible may already have that as a group or a paragraph broken out. So I want to draw your attention to some things that tie us in with last week. In verse five, you see that Mystery Babylon is the name of the prostitute, the great whore, and it is sealed, tattooed, branded on her forehead. Remember last week we talked about how that you are sealed with the seal of, of God. You are marked with the mark of God and that those who aren't marked with the mark of God will be marked with the mark of the beast and they will be faced with da- eternal damnation at that point. All right. So she's got this on here. Now, let me tell you, um, those who know who Oprah Winfrey is, um, there is there is a the, guess what that word is. Their mystery. Babylon. The secret. The secret is called the secret. Have you ever heard her talk about the secret? You haven't ever talked about the secret. Yeah, if you're a, if you're an Oprah Winfrey fan, you have heard her talk about the secret. It's a huge new age thing. There's actually a book called The Secret, and it's all this repackaged old mysticism put back into new modern stuff. And this idea that there's a secret out there, and it's been hidden from us for generations, and now we have an opportunity to know it. We can know God. You are God, and it's all this old stuff put back together. So that's that's a that's a modern new age paganism thing the secret, but that's actually what it is. And it's called the secret and it's put on her forehead, which is like, well, when I saw that, I was like, it was a little alarming to me. All right. So then look at this in verse two, every leader is in bed with her. All right. Every leader in the world is in bed with this whore, this fornicating with her, having these evil relationships with her. All right. Now look at um, at verse uh, three. There's this weird thing. It says there are seven heads and ten horns. Can I stop you there for a second? Yes, stop me there for a second. So let's look at how this happens. Yes. Every leader. Right now we have huge corporations. Boeing. I'll just take Boeing for an example. That seem to be doing things that would be against their business model. Why would they be in favor of promoting, not, not just blasting through? What does transgenderism have to do with Boeing? Or think about Disney. Disney's the same way. Disney and they're suffering money big time as they promote something that really is not their market. It's not their, it's not their product, if you will. Um, and, and I'm going to just ask a question. Does anybody care about that? Or is that just... Yeah, whatever. Because it's not happening in one company. It's across the board. AT&T, Coca-Cola, everybody. So let me throw this out at you. If I am a customer and I can give you a $10 billion contract, we're going to agree $10 billion to sell Coke because I have that many customers. All you have to do is open up a diversity program, turn your HR program over to me, and start preaching my gospel. But I will give you 
10 billion, or in the case of a Boeing, a hundred billion dollars worth of con. But you have to turn over your HR program. Everybody know HR, human relations. There's a quid pro quo for everything, whether it's at nations. And I tell a nation, you do what I say, and I will give you the money. And we've seen this in the last five years. You do what I say, and I will give you the money. And now you're on my side, even though we're enemies. But I gave you money to fund your Jeeps, your tanks, your whatever. Boeing, you do what I say. Boeing had no interest in any of these things or any of these other major companies. But they are funded by the big customer. And you know who the big guy is. It's not Joe Biden. It's the United States government who has trillions and trillions of dollars who can say at any given time, here's a billion. Where'd you get it from? I just printed it up. And so when they pass a trillion dollar bill and you dig into it, you say, who were they giving that money to? And then who changed their HR program? That's all I want to say. Yeah. They're in bed with an evil system and we would call an evil system. I would, when you start telling transgender people that it's okay, that it's normal, homosexuals the same thing, whatever the whatever the thing is. Now you got companies preaching morality. Yeah, and it's a twisted, and it's a it's a twisted morality that's aberrant from God. It doesn't fit what God's standard is. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Money is a big, big part of it, but I think also you have true believers. Yes. I mean, well, they really believe the lie, as you were saying. Yes. Men can be pregnant. And, yeah. I mean, they believe climate change is real. They believe, you know, you can change your sex and, and you know, all these different things. Because I think they've been taught that. Right. I mean, we quit taking our kids to church. Both parents are working outside at home. You know, we're all trying to keep up with the Joneses and put all our kids in college. And it's our kids have been indoctrinated and they've been brainwashed and now they're the ones in the corporations. And 95% of our churches are not even, not even to discuss this. I'm not even saying you should listen to me or, or Matthew. I'm just saying y'all at least be aware of it, that there are wickedness at high places. And this is how it works its way down into, Oh, now that I can understand. I surely can understand if Boeing gets a hundred billion. Well, that now makes sense. Why? They are preaching a lie that has nothing to do with building airplanes. No, I, yeah. I think they're yeah. use, what I call <laughs> useful idiots. Yes. Like, well, it's a term to take from like Hillary Clinton or yes. you know, uh, the guy who did Obamacare or whatever. Right. You know, it's with these people who've been brainwashed, they're the useful idiots to Mr. Global or right. to whoever right. this group of people at the top that are controlling everything. And yeah. For sure conspiracy. And it's really, yeah. and it's really sad that the people who uh, buy into those things are being used. Um, and the people that are using them really have no care for them. They can, they're, they're no, nothing. They have, they have no love in their heart for them. And we will, if you get down in further in your notes and we'll see how we get with this, but you'll see there's, there's three P's that we're all kind of dancing around right now that are using the dark spiritual world to control people and bring these ideas to the forefront so people buy into these ideas, these lies. Um, and they are power, um, pleasure, and profit. And I say those two, and, I'll, and it's in your notes, so I'll go ahead and tell you this right now. There's nothing wrong with power. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. And there's nothing wrong with profit. 
What happens to make those wrong is when that becomes the God of your heart and the idol of your heart, and that's all your focus is, and then you will sacrifice what you believe on the altar of profit because here's a billion dollars. You will sacrifice what you believe because I want to make my pleasure supreme, and I don't care who gets hurt in the process, damaged, and killed. Um, and I want all the power for me, and I don't care who gets crushed and what liberties get pushed to the side because I want all the power. And here's the thing about it. All three of those are completely fleeting. Completely fleeting. Solomon said it so wisely when he said, the man who amasses a fortune and builds a corporation and an enterprise for his whole life, he spends on this thing he's building up, and then he has to die and leave it to somebody. And the guy that comes behind him is an absolute fool, and it's all gone in a matter of years. The man who built everything up wasted his entire life. And that's how all this is. You can amass power and profit and pleasure, but it's all fleeting. It's not eternal. And when we don't have our identity in Christ, let me go back to that base point. We no longer have our alignment with the things of God. And that leads us into, and there's a whole list of lies in your notes, like 12 or 13 or so. They're just some I just wrote down. There's more we can all talk about. Let's look back at our homiletics for a second. And let's continue on down chapter 17. So, um, Seven heads and ten horns in verse three is a complete mystery, right? What in the world could that mean? Well, thank God the Bible can interpret the Bible, and that is decoded in verses nine through 18. So there's no mystery about what is that, what it means. We'll get to that in a second. It actually, the Bible tells you who that is and what that means. Now, <clears throat> there's a golden cup of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. That's in verse four. So these are like we just talked about, all the foul things that are being propagated in culture and society and people are buying into and participating in, it's because of this horror, this mystery Babylon, this 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 spirit of lawlessness that John said in uh, the uh, epistle, 1 John, said the spirit of Antichrist is alive and active even now. And this is within the first, before 100 years of Christ's ascension was done. He said, it's already here. He's going at it. It's working. I would say Jesus would tell you from Luke, that it goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. And it started all the way back then. And continued on. And what did Cain receive? A mark. It goes all the way back to there. All right. Let's keep going. And uh, drunk with the blood of. And then uh, and th- this is the phrase that's used here in um, in Luke eleven forty five through fifty four. Drunk with the blood of the saints. So that would be Abel forward, and and the blood of the martyrs. That's Stephen forward. All right. So see what's going on here. This is not just the whore of Babylon came up during the Great Tribulation and started killing Christians. The spirit of Antichrist has been working from the very beginning, killing the prophets of the Old Testament and shutting them down and taking their lives and persecuting them, hurting them. You can, we can dig into 11, uh, Luke, Jesus' words, 11, Luke chapter 11, 45 to 54. We can dig into that later. It's in your notes. Uh, that's in verse 5. Now, the meaning... An explanation of the scarlet harlot and the beast are found in verses 7 through 18. So then, why do you wonder? The voice says to, in verse 7, says to John as he's standing there witnessing this angel, like, why are you marveling? Why are you astonished? Why are you wondering about what you're seeing? I can explain it, is what he's telling him. And then the beast, who was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit. In Revelation chapter 9, verses 1, uh, Revelation 13, 3 and 12, we've already talked about the angel who comes down and takes the lid off the bottomless pit and the smoke ascends the locusts are released they go forth and they're just 
for five months and they're just terrifying to the entire population of the world, all right? And, um, and then dwelling, those who are dwelling on the earth who are not in the book of life, they will marvel after the beast. And that means to wonder in admiration is what that Greek word there means, marvel, to wonder in admiration, right? Marvel, and I will just go ahead and say this and just to say it, not to bring any kind of condemnation on anybody, but Marvel is one of the biggest franchises in entertainment right now. And Marvel came out of Stan Lee comic books. But there's a whole franchise of people that study these Marvel characters, these superheroes. It tells me that there is a there's a space in the heart of culture today where they are looking for the Superman. They're looking for the hero. They're looking for the rescuer. And they're manufacturing these faux rescuers in comic books and superheroes. And the real rescue they need is from Jesus because all these others are, are just pseudo Superman. They're not going to fulfill the role only Christ can fill. And then let's see here, the beast verse eight. Now in verse nine, we see this, the seven heads, it says very clearly in verse nine, the seven heads are seven mountains. Now, Martin Luther read this and he immediately said, well, that's Rome. That's the Pope. That's all it is. It's the papacy. It's the Catholic Church. So because because Rome is a city built on seven hills, right? Now, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. Some people agreed with that. Some of the reformers agreed with that. Some did not. Um, could be true, maybe not be true. Let me pose another one to you. Do you know there's another very famous religious city in the world's religions, and their capital is also built on seven hills? Nope. Sorry. It's a good guess, Jerusalem. I'm just trying to guess islam there are three sacred cities in islam and one of those sacred cities is built on seven hills and that's what uh john wesley thought that the antichrist uh would rise out of islam is what he thought when he read scripture now this is all the opinions of men um this isn't uh the the valid scripture of, of god there's you can make a case for both of those um and then uh i think at this point the case for the um, rise of Islam being the seat of the Antichrist and the mark of the beast is probably more validated uh, or validating than uh, the, the Catholic Church. But that's that's my opinion. Everybody's got a different opinion. Um, ten horns. Ten horns are ten kings in verses 10 through 12. Ten kings that take league with the beast. Now, um, the proponents of the uh, Holy Roman Empire being revised in Europe as being the 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 rise of antichrist there is a one validating aspect of that and i may have mentioned this to you last week that there were you know when it all started everybody pointed right to that and said when they get the 10 nations then we know the 10 kings are being assembled greece was the 10th nation in the 1980s it joined the european union but then there was a problem the 11th nation joined and then suddenly the, the pattern of scripture with the 10 kings was broken, right? And then by the time Bill Clinton was in office, like, Poland, you know, come on in, Lithuania. They're just bringing everybody in, you know, to the European Union. It's this huge, you know, group of, of nations, right? So then it completely shatters the 10 king thing, except now there is the WEU, which are the 10 Western powers of the original Western Union or Western Empire, the European Union. So they have reassembled. There are 10 again, but if they're the right 10, I don't know, right? It's just, it's plausible and it's there, all right? So there are 10 kings. There's something you'll know about them when you see them. There are 10 kings. One um, is of mind. They are of one mind and purpose with the beast, all right? So when you see these 10 leaders in the world, 
who line up directly with the beast and they are completely in agreement and alignment with what he's doing, you, you'll be able to know them when you see them, when they show up on the stage. There'll be no question about their identity and who they are. And how do you know that? Well, they make war with the lamb in verses 13 to 14. Now, verse 15 tells us the um, what the waters are, that the, 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 the whore, the harlot is on the waters. And it tells us that that is humanity. So whenever we see in scripture, waters and the sea, that is related to the sea of humanity. All right. And then the uh, 10 horn ting, 10 kings, they didn't have a change of heart because now this one who has empowered them and brought them to power through this uh, mystery Babylon religion, they then hate and turn on and kill and destroy with fire. This uh, one, they burn her with fire. And verse 16 is the key verse connection for us. Verse is verse 17 says this, for God has put into their heart to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, to give her, uh, her kingdom to the beast until, and to, until the words of God are fulfilled. And then the last verse 18, we see the woman is the new world capital city and there is the same way that god uh jesus will live and reign in jerusalem for a thousand years as his capital city of the world antichrist satan has a false world capital that comes along um and mystery babylon is the seat of that so i want us to go now to second thessalonians chapter two we started with this passage last week hope oh, anybody you got some comments on that as we go through it Yes, I, that was interesting, and um, I missed, I could not put all of that together at all. So it makes some sense now. Good, and 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 I'm glad you said that. So the thing about it is this: is is where Scripture speaks with um, authority and prophecy, we should declare it. All right, there will be ten kings. Are there going to be the ten European nations? Maybe there can be 10 states in America. Maybe there can be 10 Muslim nations. Maybe here's the thing is when they arise on the stage, there's going to be no question in your mind about, oh, that's there they are. You're going to see what they're doing. They're going to fulfill the, the aspects of behavior that uh, John saw in them. They're going to be after the Christians. They're going to be after the Jews. And this will be awful. It's going to be awful. Um, uh, I talked with a lot of people about, um, and especially maybe y'all like this same thing, but a gentleman the other day just in a conversation about the founding of this nation and he was just shocked at basic principles and i'm using a point the reason he doesn't understand how the electoral college let's just make that one up what what it did so that new york city doesn't run the whole country because they're the most populous country and he went wow yeah but I'm using that as an example. If you don't know, then you can't interpret. If you go to Revelation and say it's a hidden book, when it says of itself, this is the revealing, this is the revelation, you don't know, and it's more difficult to see things that are happening. And even my example of how a, 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 a company can get into this stuff when you know what it says and it reveals itself, then you can start putting clothes on things that you see that are happening because you now know something. I didn't know that about the Electoral College. Yeah, that's the whole. Now things make much more sense and why they would destroy the Electoral College, why in Bible times, 
he doesn't want anybody to understand what the Bible is very clear on some things, not everything. They're mysteries to be revealed. But when he says this is 10 nations, this is a 10 kings, this is a city, these waters are people. Oh, okay. Now it's starting to come clear to me. So then, then that, and that leaves other stuff like the rise of Antichrist uh, comes from humanity when he rises out of the sea. Um, and he's revealed in his chapter in Revelation. He's coming out of the sea, so he's coming out of the groups of people. He's rising up. I, I tend to believe, um, and it's nothing of my own, as other people have brought this idea to me, that the Antichrist is always with us and has always been with us because he's always waiting in the wings and prepared. And his identity is like being president, if you will. We have, we've had a president since America was founded. We will always have a president as long as America is here. Who the president is will change. Because Satan does not know the day or the hour of when God's going to say, okay, that's it. Let's get him out of there. He's, nobody knows when that's going to happen. He's always got to have someone waiting in the wings ready to step into that role. And I think you can look across the span of history and see different times when you go, wow, that, that must be him right there. And just a matter of time till God just does it all and he steps into the role. Um, and so that, that's my opinion of Antichrist. He's always there. And Satan is always grooming someone and promising someone that they're going to be it. Um, and of course, they accept it and they are deceived because they are deluded. So if you look down in your notes, um, the next thing I would bring to you is um, on the second page of your notes is the word delusion. And what a delusion is. So Merriam-Webster defines a delusion as a delusion is an unshakable belief in something untrue. An unshakable belief in something that is untrue. So if you've ever had the opportunity to witness to somebody and they say, I don't believe there's a God. Okay, well, let me give you some things that will point you to the belief and the validity that there is a God. And you present them with the complexity of the world, for example, like like Paul does in Romans. Creation itself is screaming out there's a creator. There's too much complexity here. There's too much interconnectivity here. It can't just happen. Information does not arise out of nothing. It, it has to have a designer and a maker. There's a verse in uh, the Old Testament that says, who looks at something along the lines of, who can look at a building and say there wasn't a builder? I mean, who in this room sits in this building right now or where y'all are right now in the building you're in right now? You look around and say, no, this just happened. Nobody built this. Of course you don't. You know somebody built it and put it together because this is how life is. And it's the same thing. So when you bring those truths to people and they continue to hold on to that unbelief, that untruth thing, evolution is one of my favorites. How many many proofs do I have to bring to you to, to tell you evolution is a lie and not true? If we're following the scientific method, I bring you one and your theory is busted. It no longer works. All right. I'll bring you one right now uh, on the evolution of the solar system. All right. The solar system, I was taught and had to pass the test on this because of Charleston, evolved from a big ball of dust. As gravity pulled the dust particles together with each other, they began to make little massive balls. And then as they compacted uh, they it created momentum and it began to swirl in orbit and they all flattened out onto a plane and then they gravitated into bodies and the larger piece ended up in the middle and that was what we call the sun. And the planets are on the outer edge of that. It's a great theory. You can find some things to try and demonstrate that theory, except for a couple of things like the law of angular momentum. 
which says if I were to take Miss Karen right now and hold her by the hands in the middle of the room and start spinning her around in a circle like this, and I let go of her, well, she'll get hurt real badly, but she won't ever let me do that again. But she would fly off in a circle in the direction I was spinning her. And she would indeed rotate in the way that I was spinning her. She would not fly off in the opposite direction and rotate in a different way. So when we look today at a planet like Mars, has two moons going in opposite directions. Your theory is busted. Or you look at one of the larger planets on the outside edge, the large gas giants. Instead of revolving like this, like the Earth does and other planets, it's rolling like this as it goes around the sun. Okay? Your theory is busted. That's two right there. All right? We can talk about the time factor as well. And look at the age of the universe. Completely false period of time. Just by the amount of dust that's on the moon. Completely false period of time. Should have been 200 feet of dust on the moon when the, uh, when the Apollo lander landed when all the all the probes landed they should have sank into a sea of dust it was one of the big debates at nasa is will anything land up there and not be collapsed into a sea of of dust because if the place is six billion years old or 17 billion years old we know how much dust accumulates in the course of a year there's a mountain of dust up there and it didn't it didn't sink it landed right there I mean, I, we can go on with all these things. But anyway, so hold on. So whenever you're fighting with somebody and you're trying to present them the gospel and the truth of scripture, and they are tenacious and they hold on to the lie despite the truth that you bring to them, they are under the delusion. Now, I would submit to you the delusion is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual battle. And you're fighting a spiritual war and you're not going to convince them. You got to pray for them and speak to them in love. You can't beat them over the head with facts. You can present information, but you can't beat them over the head with facts. Yes, Mr. Roy. My daddy summarized all of that saying you cannot reason with unreasonable people. Yes, you cannot reason with unreasonable people. And the the rest of that was let the mule kick them, right? Yeah. (laughs) Let the mule kick them. Be honest anymore and... You and I love to do this, but I don't think we have to get into things of angular momentum now. We, who would have thought 30 years ago we'd be fighting over having Harvard professors and and Supreme Court justices that are unable to define a woman? <laughs> this is a strong delusion. And and back to your point, and they're true believers. They There's are a religion. into so a we don't have to go into deep science here this is now something that is that is that is and and maybe that would help us to say i'm not going to get um i'm not going to lose what what did you write um i'm not going to sacrifice my character at the altar of their unbelief meaning get out of whack and out of sort this is so bizarre I can't even, you have to know this is a spiritual thing and your passion and your anger and your argument is not going to win this battle when somebody is telling you that they are something that they are not. And it's yeah, just it's a strong delusion. Yeah. And it's changed the definition of things. Like right. if, if people aren't paying attention, they're going to stay in the delusion. A lot of people just say, oh, well, the APA sent it down, you know, the Associated Press, or, you know, this doctor said that, or my doctor, and they don't research things from where. <laughs> I, I, I thought, and, I, and I'm sad, I'm just going to, but we're on strong delusion right now. Yeah, we are on the strong delusion. Um, my wife showed me a picture of two of our leading 
the Surgeon General of the United States of America and some other leading official. Atomic energy person. Atomic energy person in France on an official visit. And he is dressed up as a she. Both of them are. skirt. Yeah, they both are. And this is, we have elevated this person to the Surgeon General of the United States of America. He thinks he's a she. He dresses as a she, but he calls the whole article as I was, I said, okay, I, I, this is disinformation. This is just a scam. This is so bizarre. Nope. I looked him up and got his official picture in the United States. And, I'm, and then I read the article on him to find out more. They never referred to him as he. They referred to him as they. So I Read got Legion. lost. I got lost in the article because it kept saying they. And I thought, where, who's they? We were talking about him as if he quoted. And then they quote him. But they referred to him as they which I almost would go demonic. There it is demonic. Personalities in it here. Demonic. Too. But you could not comprehend what was being written because they changed words to them. They means he. Okay, well, I'll go with them. They means he. So if I had to reinterpret what I was reading and put in words that had truth and meaning to say, okay, I understand what he is saying now. But they changed it to they and them. And, and now I'm thinking, are we talking about a whole group of people? or did, who, what? It's, it's a delusion that is beyond common sense. And your red flags have to go up and go, I'm not even, I'm not even arguing with humans here. I'm not even arguing with humans. They're shims. Shims. I, I'm not allowed to that. Glenn? I'm glad I live under a rock and I never heard that before. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's sadly I have seen that picture and uh you could it's you yeah, Rosemary. Uh, the thing about um, school and kids and yes. uh the meanings of the different pronouns and so forth, you know, it's it's one thing for us, but this is what our kids yes. are hearing and getting and it's really important that parents get involved and know what their teachers are teaching. And, and remember what I said. That part is really scary. Remember what I said in the beginning. Yeah. Who's the client in the school system and who has the money? Right. Exactly. And you're going to get our money and you're going to teach. Just like Boeing, you're going to get our money and you're going to teach what we tell you to teach or you don't get our money, mm -hmm. which is our money. But but remember the client, you can understand that for a business, they're selling. But when it's education, and this is why the locals, that's us, have to rise up and take the education system back, or we will and have already lost our children mm -hmm. because they're being taught things and we're going, what the heck? Well, now they're ninth graders. You're way behind the power curve now. And now they're yeah. PAs trying to right. get all money for the lunch program yes. is that the public schools are teaching sexual orientation there you go and so what happens is the states fail we start taking federal money for our schools and then we get hooked on it Just and then they can dictate like you said who's put the money in does anybody remember when when south carolina officially and this sounds like it's not bible stuff but it is 
officially said gambling is illegal and wrong. So we will officially become the gambling mecca of the world with a lottery system for our education program. And what was the excuse? Well, we're losing money to North Carolina and Georgia. People are going across the borders to buy lottery tickets. We got to get in on this gig. And now the, the government's states have sanctioned um, what they used to say was ill-gotten gains. And now they are the largest gambling organization organized and run by governments. Yeah. I guess you saw that the person won over a billion dollars in the lottery this past week. And after he paid his taxes, it was 400 something. (laughs) It was a one point something billion dollar win. And he actually got to take home a little over 400 million. The government got the rest of it in taxes. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's real stuff at high levels. So look at second Thessalonians chapter two. And um, we're going to look at verse six and keep moving through there. And let's see here. And now, you know, what is restraining him from being revealed at this time? It is so that he may be manifested, revealed at his appointed time. Remember, this is the idea that that God has a calendar. He's got the prophetic clock and Antichrist will not be revealed until it is his time. And then for the mystery, verse seven, of lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority is already at work in the world, but it is restrained only until he who restrains is taken out of the way. And we looked at the idea that uh, some believe that the uh, the one who restrains Antichrist is the Holy Spirit and his living in each believer. And when all the believers are removed from the world, that then that influence is taken out. Also, you think about this, that even right now, the world we live in is bizarre and crazy. It is. There's still somebody out there who still has the Holy Spirit in their heart, who's in a meeting and goes, you know, something about this doesn't sit right with me. I don't know if we should be doing this. Right. Even even with today, as bad as it is, there's still somebody in a meeting or around the water cooler going, you know, I, don't, I don't think that was right. I don't think that was there's there's somebody still standing up saying, yeah, slavery is wrong. We, we probably should stop the slave trade. There's still somebody standing up, even when culture and society says, no, no, it's good. Let's, let's get more slaves. There, there's still somebody out there, a Christian standing up and saying it. So imagine a period of time in the world when there's no, nobody with that Holy Spirit conscious inside of them to stand up and say, we should be running all these Christians up and killing them. You know, when there's no one restraining at all how unrestrained and lawless the world will be beyond anything we can contemplate or imagine at this point. Other scholars um, do believe it's a special presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Calvin thought um, this way, he says, quote, Paul, however, is not speaking of one individual, but a kingdom that is to be seized by Satan for the purpose of setting up a kingdom of abomination in the midst of God's temple. This we see accomplished in popery. So Calvin also looked like uh, Martin Luther did and thought the Pope was the vehicle for all this to happen. But think about what Calvin, before you get to that sentence, think about what Calvin is saying. So let's say there is no rapture, okay? And Christians are still here, but Antichrist is hunting Christians down and killing them. Every time he takes a Christian's life as a martyr, he's reducing the influence and power of the Holy Spirit around us. And think about the mark of the beast. When it comes along, you will no longer be allowed to buy, sell, or trade 
conduct commerce, live in the marketplace of life without the mark of the beast. So your influence is removed immediately because you're not taking that mark. So you have no influence on people around you in society and culture because you're no longer there. They pulled you out. You're in the gulags like the old Soviet Union. So verse nine, the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist is through the activity and work of Satan. And that's what we've been talking about all along. This is going on from Abel when Cain kills him in Genesis one, all the way. Jesus said from Abel to Zechariah, your fathers have killed the prophets and slain them. That's what he says. He puts it squarely on them and in the temple um, and who they are. And he'll be attended in great power with all sorts of pretended miracles and signs and delusive marvels, all of them lying wonders in verse 10, and by the unlimited seduction to evil, with all the wicked deception for those who are perishing, who are going into perdition, who are damned to hell, because they did not welcome the truth. We have a culture today that does not welcome truth. They abhor truth. It's really sad, but they refuse to love it, that they might be saved. And the ultimate truth is Jesus. Therefore, God sends them, verse 11, a misleading influence, a working error, and a strong delusion to make them believe what is false in order that all may be judged and condemned who did not believe in, who refused to adhere to, to trust and to rely on the truth, but instead took pleasure in unrighteousness. When you look back at that Next to last verse of Revelation chapter 17, in verse 17, it says something very similarly, that God allowed these people, he planted in their hearts that they would go in league, these 10 kings would be in league with the devil, that they would give their power and authority over it, so that God's purposes would be accomplished. Now, the strong delusion is used by God to complete his purposes. There's some historical precedence for this. In 1 Kings chapter 22, there's this really bizarre story. King Ahab. Who is King Ahab's queen? Who remembers? Jezebel. Jezebel. So you've all heard about Jezebel, right? She's a bad one, right? Okay. <laughs> it was. So, so Jezebel and Ahab, horrible rulers, pagan, very bad. The prophets battle them all the time. Um, Elijah has a famous confrontation on the Mount Carmel with all the prophets and they kill him and all that kind of jazz. So. This is this really bizarre story. If you turn to 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 20 through 22, you'll see what I'm saying is true. I'm going to give you the summation of it. And you can read verses 20, 22 in just a second. Uh, Jehoshaphat comes down the king and says, Ahab, Ramoth Gilead is ours. We know it's ours. We should go over and take it. It's been given to us. We should do it. And um, one of the kings, I can't remember if it was um, Jehoshaphat or Ahab. So we need to ask the prophets, see what they say God tells us to do before we do this. Sure, good idea. So the prophets come in and they go, God has said you're going to conquer. You're going to take it back. It's all yours. In fact, one of them makes this thing. It sounds kind of like he's got a Viking helmet on. So he has this helmet with his two steel horns on it. And you're going to gore the enemy of God. And you're going to be victorious. It's going to be good. And then they say, well, what's the other prophets say? There's this one true prophet of God. His name sounds like Micah, but it's Micaiah. And he goes, Ahab goes, I don't like that guy. Every, he never says anything good about me. It's always bad. All right, we'll bring him in. Let's hear what he has to say, Jehoshaphat. So they send the messenger to get him. They get him. And along the way, they go, hey, listen, listen, Micaiah, listen, the, the kings of Israel and Judah are here. And listen, 
all the prophets had said it's going to go great in this battle. It'd be really good if you agreed with them in your prophecy and what God tells you to say. Okay, let's see what happens. So they get there, and he, of course, makes his pronouncement, and he goes, I agree with him. It's going to be great. You're going to do wonderful when you get up there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. Oh, yeah, God's going to hand them all into your hands. It'll be wonderful. And his sarcasm is so thick, they're like, oh, really? Well, didn't know what you wanted me to say? Didn't know what you wanted to hear? Well, we know it's not true from your mouth what you're saying, but all the sarcasm. And so then the, 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 the guy with the horns comes over and smacks him upside the face. Says, put him in a prison. Put him a diet of bread and water. And we'll see what happens in a couple of days when this battle's over. And the, the true prophet said, if I see you in a couple of days, I'm not a prophet of God. Because this ain't going to go the way you say it's going to go. And it was the end of King. Now, to achieve that purpose of God, ridding the nation of Israel of the evil King Ahab, God did something really unusual. He used a lying spirit. I know that's crazy, isn't it? But that's what scripture says. Who has second Kings 22 verses 20, 21 and 22. First Kings. Excuse me. First Kings. There's a lot of twos in there. Sorry. First Kings 22, 20 through 22. And the Lord said, who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so that he can be killed there? There were many suggestions until finally a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do this? The Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all Ahab's prophets to speak lies. Who can do this? Go ahead and do it. That would be the secretary of the treasurer. I can do it. I can tell him it's not inflation. It's not a recession. It's not a recession. I can lie like anybody else. I'm no good politician. So, so, so God uses a lying spirit. This is one of those really unusual episodes where we get a real behind the scenes look. It's kind of like Job, the first couple of chapters of Job, where we see inside the throne room of God. This is what's called uh, the divine council. So these are the spiritual beings in the spiritual realm, and God is allowing them in on the decision-making process on this particular event. And he says, well, what do y'all think? How can we achieve this? Who's got some ideas? The same way God um, kind of shares and allows us to have authority over the earth, he's sharing, allowing them to have some authority and influence in this matter. And he says, yeah, go do it. Send the lying spirit out. You go make him lie. Make him believe it. And that'll achieve my purposes. Remember, what's the bottom of your page say right there? Everything in my plan will come to pass. Everything in my plan will come to pass. It will happen. When God says it, and that's one of the reasons we're studying prophecy, because it validates uh, who God is and how powerful he is, his knowledge, his wisdom and his love and his grace, because he sends grace to us all the time. I, there's some more in your notes. God uses a rumor. Um, he does all kinds of stuff. You can read through those to your own. Um, sir, we're running out of time quickly. Yes. Um, I think. Since we're not going to make it, I'm going to leave enough time to pray. But the book of Jude. Wow. One chapter. This is not listed in his things. But the book of Jude almost describes this whole thing and has wonderful things. It It starts out. It's only one chapter. But 
The servant is sanctified by God the Father. That's Jude. Mercy and peace to you, beloved. When I wrote, I gave you all diligence to write about our salvation, for it's needful for me to write that you should contend for the faith which was once delivered to you. That's where we live right now. Contend for, for the faith. For there are certain men crept unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. God already chose them. Men who have who are liars, lying spirits, they've been chosen by God, ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, lasciviousness and denying the only Lord our God. I will therefore put you in remembrance. And then he goes, I don't want to read the whole chapter, but if I did, it's just a, he says, he goes back to Cain. He goes back to Elam, uh, Balaam. He goes, the same spirit, and he refers back to Cain. So in one chapter, you get where you're going to eight books to say, look, what Revelation has said has already been there. But if you ever want a summation of the whole thing, you can go to Jude and read one chapter and go, this spirit has been in the world since Cain. Mm-hmm. all the way through he gives some examples like you're trying to do you're going to different places and giving and then he goes and it's going to get ugly and the spirits are going to be released those spirits that revelation talks about they're going to be un- because they've been held in chains god has restrained them but at the end times they're not going to be restrained so even though the spirit has been here now it's going to get real, real ugly at the end. Jude talks about that. He gives you the, what is, what is the old cheat notes? Cliff notes? The cliff notes in one chapter and then finishes up at Jude. Now, he says at the end, which is where we have to end because this could lead you with high blood pressure and everything else. Unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I know I just gave you X number of verses that are really... <laughs> no, to him that is able to keep you from falling and keep you and present you faultless before the presence of his glory to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Jude, write in your little notes or put it on your thing if you're that smart. I can't do it. Read all these things and Jude, and you will go, well, there it all is. Yeah. Scripture teaches Scripture. Scripture does teach Scripture. And so uh, next week, we will um, get into some of those strong delusions, how they apply to our lives um, and some of the lies of the enemy, and how we can um, fight against them and what we should be doing as believers in this battle uh, the spiritual battle we are engaged in. So I will encourage you in this, that, um, you are sealed, you're chosen and you're his, you're protected and you are preserved because, uh, he is the one who, who saves us. And he's the one that carries us all the way through ours is to be attentive and listen to his whispers and his direction, and then to be obedient, uh, immediately obedient to what he's asking us to do because he's got great works prepared for us to do, to draw others into his salvation. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your love and for your word and for you picking us um, and, and bringing us into this world, this period of existence and time right now. 
Help us to stay on mission and on task to remember our identity is found in you. And because we are yours, we can do great and powerful things because your spirit is in us. You have sealed us and you will preserve us until the day of the end. Now let us be equipped in that and go out and live it for you this week in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.